Hey, church, how we doing, everybody? We good? We good? Man, it is so good. It is so stinking good to see you today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching via the interwebs and, of course, everybody who's watching online and, of course, which those two are the same things, the interwebs and online are the same thing. Um, and, of course, everybody over at the South Side, South Campus, we love everybody. Everybody who's watching with us, and the best way that we can show you, and, and you here who are in, uh, at North Campus with us, the best way that we can show you that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, everybody. Would you put your hands together and just welcome everybody who's watching with us? All right, so I, I'm super, super excited uh, to announce, and, and, and many of you saw the email or you saw the video uh, about the merger that we had been praying about with Lee Summit First Church, everybody. So stinking cool. If you did not hear, if you did not hear the news, they unanimously voted to join Summit Park last Sunday night, which is an absolute miracle. Man, there's so much to this story. I can't wait to tell you more and more details about it. But let me just say the hand of God, the fingerprints of God have been all up on it. It has been amazing. It has literally just been awe-inspiring to see how God has been leading this. Uh, this journey's been three and a half years in the making. It's been just so cool to, to like believe that you hear from God and then actually see it come to fruition. It really is really cool, and your prayers uh, were a huge part in making that happen, so thank you so much for praying. Uh, a cool testimony from their vote last Sunday night was Pastor Roger, who's the, uh, who's the senior pastor there, he, they, they, they got the vote. He got, when he, saw the, when he saw the ballot, when he got it back, he was so emotional that like, he, he, he was just overwhelmed. He's like, I cannot believe how good God is. Like he literally had to sit down for a second. And, and then he popped back up, he read it, everybody clapped, they cheered, it was incredible. And then he called one of the members uh, who was not able to make it, who was not able to be there in person. And, but she had been a part of the church for 49 years. Come on, somebody. Turn to somebody and say, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long time. That's a long time to do anything, let alone to be in one church. Man, some faithful people. That's, that's what that is, faithfulness and commitment. And so she said, been there 49 years, and she hasn't seen their church vote unanimously on anything in 49 years of history. But they voted unanimously to merge with Summit Park and that is just so stinking cool. And so they're having a celebration service this Sunday. And so that we're pumped for them. And so uh, then, then we're going to have a welcome party for them. And then, uh, and then they'll be joining our church the following weekend. So be on the lookout for new faces. Be, be on the lookout for connections and opportunities. We want to roll the red carpet. We want every single one of them. Some will be attending north. Some will be attending south. Wherever they attend, we want them to feel right at home at Summit Park. But the good news is, the good news is, is uh, we have started meeting with architects to, to uh, uh, renovate and expand their current uh, location. And so we've got different options that we're exploring. We're looking at those things. We're, we're evaluating those things. We will have more news for you. But the good news is our future has always been secure because it's in Jesus. But we have a permanent home, y'all. We have got a permanent home. Oh, man. 
It feels so good. It feels so good. So thank you so much for praying. Thank you for just being a part. I sent this email out this week, but thank you for being a part of what makes Summit Park what it is. It's you. And thank you for praying and for giving and just for being you and for rolling on the red carpet and helping people find and follow Jesus. We are just getting started. If you believe it, see, I do. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So, um, all right. Well, we're in week three of a series that we've uh, called promises. We're talking about the promises of God. One of the most beautiful things about God is that he makes promises to us, and they, they are very unique than the promises we make to each other, because we make promises all the time, promises that we intend to keep, promises that we want to keep, but promises that we break, right? Can we just, can, how many of you have ever made a promise and you have broken that promise at both locations? Come on, just put your hand up. Yes, we do it. We do it all the time. And even if we're like, no, I really mean this. And if we, if we, we, we make promises like, you know, I'm never, I'm never uh, going to leave. I'm never going to lie. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to work out more. I'm not going to think that way or talk this way. We make promises to do things like never go to McDonald's again. And then, and then those golden arches, they just, they just call out to us, don't they? Ba-da-da-da-da. I'm loving it. They call out to us. They, and, and we're like, oh, I promise I'll never do this again. And we break promises. Even when we really mean to keep them, we break them. But the beauty about God is that when he, meet, when he makes a promise to us, not only does he mean it, but he keeps it. God's promises, you can take them to the bank. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, he's like, no matter how many promises he's made, and he's made a lot. The Bible is full of the promises of God. No matter how many promises he's made, they are yes in Christ. They are a giant exclamation point. They are certain. They are sure because of Jesus. Jesus proves it. Jesus fulfilled the promise. And because Jesus fulfilled the promise of a Messiah who would come and make everything right again that was wrong, because he did that, all of the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We're like, so be it. We're like, okay, let's go. We're like, come on, somebody. That's our response when God speaks his promises. And what they do to us is they bring an oasis for our souls. Isaiah 35, verse 6 and 7 in the message paraphrase is summarizing what the life of promise is going to look like. And it says this, springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams flow in the desert. Hot sands will become a cool oasis. Thirsty ground, a splashing fountain. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's what God's promise brings online for us. It's an oasis for our souls. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. And so we've talked about provision. Last week we talked about peace. And this year we're going to be talking about how the promise of God for us is power. God wants you to live with power. Everybody say, I've got the power. I've got the power. For all the 90s children in the place. Um, God wants you to live with power. 
God wants you to live with power. If you're taking notes, write that down at the, the top of your notes. God wants me. You can personalize it. You can say, God wants me to live with power. Now, life has a way of putting us in powerless situations, doesn't it? Like, like 2020 was that in folds, right? It was one powerless situation after another. So much of it was out of control. It left us feeling powerless. But that's not just 2020, right? That's, that's really every year. There's going to be powerless moments where we feel like, what am I going to do? I am, I, I'm out of control. The medical di uh, diagnosis comes back uh, negative in a negative way. Or you lose your job and you're faced with that situation. Or you find out that the chiefs have, have let go. They're two starting tackles. You feel powerless. You feel, you feel upset. And God doesn't want us, he doesn't want us experiencing powerlessness. He wants us living powerful. Let me show you. I want to uh, go back to a verse we introduced last week, but it really communicates something powerful, and I want to break this down for us. 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. All right, so you see divine power and promises are already connected right there. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This verse is so stinking rich. I mean, this is meaty, this is meaningful, and I just wanna talk about this a little bit because what he is saying here is that the promises of God give us the power to live different. That God doesn't just call us to live different, he gives us the power to live different. He, right at the end there, in verse four, if you're following along in your Bible, he says, having escaped the corruption, corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's this idea of leaving the former life behind, escaping the corruption of the former life. And so, Coach, you know, I'm thinking about this, and my mind goes to, like, you know, escaping from prison. Not that I've ever done that before. I've never been in prison. But, but I love watching movies that talk about escaping from prison, like escape from Alcatraz or anything like that. Like that was like the, this prison was like, yo, no one could escape. And then, you know, then they escaped, you know, and it was amazing. Or, 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 my, or like escaping like a situation that you can't get out of, like a, like a mob family. Like if you're in the mob, like you can't, you can't leave, right? And if like the mob boss finds out that you're leaving, it's, he's like, looks like John has decided to try to do his own thing. We're gonna need to fit him with some cement shoes so he can swim with the fishes. Like nobody leaves, but all of us want to escape the former life, right? All of us want to escape the corruption. All of us want to escape the, 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 the death of our old nature. I want to be different. I want to be better. Praise God, I'm not who I was but I'm not who I need to be yet. And, and so we have this in between. The, the work of God's grace in our life is an ongoing thing. It's never fully finished. 
We're on this ongoing journey of becoming less like this world and more like Jesus. We say it a lot around here because it's true when we need to keep it in front of us. But we're all imperfect people, right? On an imperfect journey, but we're going towards a perfect God. And he's changing us in the process. And this process of change this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the process of change that you and I experience, that God wants us to experience. It's called sanctification. If you're taking notes, write that word down. If you're new to church, write that down. If you're an experienced church uh, person, write that down. Sanctification, the act of making or declaring something holy. This is what happens to all of us when we give our hearts to Christ. It's, it's, it's a declaration. God says, you're holy. God says, you're clean. And this is amazing. This is unbelievable. When you put your faith, when you turn from your sin and you look to Jesus and you make him Lord of your life, all of a sudden he says, holy. All of a sudden he says, right. All of a sudden he says, clean. Isn't that amazing? So he declares us holy. He makes us right. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. There is an immediate change that happens when you put your faith in Jesus. It's like how Amazing Grace says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. It's the light bulb turning on moment. Aha, I get it. I see God at work. I understand what this whole thing is about. There is an immediate change that happens when you put your faith in Jesus. You move from despair to hope. You move from death to life. It's instant. It's instant. It's as instant as the prayer. It's as instant as your heart opening up to Jesus. So faith in Jesus changes everything about us. But how many of you can attest that even though you have put your faith in Christ, you've been made new, there's still a lot of old left lingering around. Come on, just raise your hand at both locations. If you guys, ah, there's still a little bit, there's still a bit of the old you. You've been made new. You've been declared new, but you feel like there's just a little bit of old lingering around. Anybody? Just me? This is, this is, this is the, although the work of God is, is immediate, sanctification is immediate, it is declared, but it is a continuing work. It is an ongoing work. There's an ongoing change that happens in our hearts. We are being changed, and we are going to continue to be changed. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate, we reflect, we meditate, we look at the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Everybody say transformed. Come on, everybody with strength say transformed which comes from the Lord. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. You could say it this way. We are being, being transformed. We are in this continual place of being changed. We are declared right, and we are being made right. This is this is why Christianity, I just want to be honest with you, this is why Christianity is the furthest thing from boring. It's never boring. 
Like if you're living Christianity right, like it is constantly, it's just like this ongoing level up, level up. You're leveling up constantly. God's always got something new that he wants to do in your life. He's always got something new that he's bringing about. There's an old part of you that's dying and there's a new part of him that's growing. That never stops. Christianity should never be dry and crusty and stale. It should be alive. It should be transformed. We're leveling up. Turn to someone and say, I'm leveling up. Come on, just tell someone, I'm leveling up. I'm leveling up. You could say it this way. We are saved. We are being saved. And we ultimately one day will be saved. This is the ongoing work of, of sanctification. It's immediate. And it's gradual. All right, so I, when I was growing up, the, uh, the old Transformers cartoons came out. Come on, raise your hand if you ever saw the old Transformers, okay, cartoons. Now, the new stuff, man, it was like, I mean, it's like crazy cool effects. And, I mean, it's amazing. It's like unbelievable. But back in the day, when those first uh, cartoons came out, they had one noise for, for the transformation that happened. You guys remember this? Like when the Transformers would change from whatever they were into what it was like. <laughs> Kinda? Does that work? Okay, that's, that's like everyone. Now, sometimes they would change the pitch a bit. But it was the same. It was the same thing. They were one thing, and then they were another thing. So it, that, that happened. That, so it's like that. Being a Christian is a lot like being a transformer, basically what I'm saying here today. But... But it's also, it's also a lot like a canyon, how a canyon is formed by a river, you know, which is almost silent, you know, at times. He's like. Can't even hear it. Just begins to just it just it, the river just wears the canyon down over years and years and years. So it is and that's that's christianity let's pray in jesus name that's it that's it it's both of those things at the same time and i love the way paul puts this idea in this passage oh man this is so awesome he says we are participating with him in the divine nature we are participating with him the word there is kononos. It means partner or sharer. It's partaker. Oh man, this is so good. So God, through the promise of Jesus, is allowing us to be a partner, to be a sharer in his divine nature. He's allowing us. He's allowing us to partake, to enjoy. Now here's the thing. God does the heavy lifting. All right, just know this. He does the heavy lifting. Jesus comes. He makes the way. He initiates. He pays the price for our sins. He dies on the cross. He raises again. He does all the heavy lifting. But then he allows us to join in in the journey, to be a partner. God doesn't want you just just following mindlessly. God just certainly doesn't want you just checking off lists religiously. He wants you partnering with him. 
like his work inside of you, the Holy Spirit wearing, wearing that river of the Holy Spirit wearing down your heart, the, the difficult things, the hard things wearing down, but then you participate with him in his divine nature. It is a beautiful idea. The best things in life are partnerships. It's true, marriage at its best is a partnership. How it's supposed to be <laughs> is a partnership. And when it's not working well, usually one person does all of the things, all of the cooking, all of the cleaning, all of the bill paying. You can just elbow if you need to uh, in church. Like, like, it's completely unsided. But here's what's amazing about, here's amazing about this. Think about this for a moment. When it's completely one-sided, both parties miss out. When it's completely one-sided, even the person who's getting all the benefits, they are missing out on the benefit of being a partner and being active. This is, this is the beauty of God. He does the heavy lifting by, by for sure, the lion's share of, of, of our spirituality. But he says, I want to involve you in this. I want you to be a participator. I'm inviting you not just to be a mindless religious follower, I want you to be a partaker. I want you to partner with me in this divine nature, and we're going to go on this amazing journey. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna experience not just relationship, but partnership, and it is going to look like power. It's going to look like power. So when you experience God's will for your life, it looks like power. It looks like power to live different. It looks like power to experience the miraculous. It looks like power to be a witness for the name of God. It looks like power to be bold when you'd rather be quiet. It looks like power to be strong when you'd rather be weak. It looks like power to resist temptation when you'd rather give in. It looks like power to love others when you'd rather be selfish. It looks like power to give when you'd rather take, to sacrifice when you'd rather not. This is the power of God. It's the power to live different. It's the power to restore marriages. It's the power to free from addiction. It's the power to walk in wisdom, to speak the truth, and to bring healing in Jesus' name. This is the power that is available to us. This is the power to live different. And God wants us to have it. He's made us partakers, partners. Man, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It's so powerful. All right, so here's, here's what I want. I want to give us three thoughts on the power of God just over the next few moments. So much to say on this, but I want, to, I want to give us three thoughts, and it's this. The source of power isn't us. The source of power is the Holy Spirit, and the power comes when we abide in Christ. The source of power isn't us. The source of power is the Holy Spirit, and the power comes when we abide in Christ. In Christ. All right, we're going to look at these things. We're going to walk away transformed. Before we do, turn to two people and say, I got the power. Come on, just tell two people. Say, I got the power. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Gen Z, for participating in that. <laughs> Humoring us, old people. All right, the source of power. Here's the first thing. The source of power isn't us. Everybody say, it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. This is the first thing that you have to get a hold of if you want to experience power spiritually. The source of power isn't us. Look at verse 3. I want to show you how we go through this verse. Gosh, man, this verse is so good. 
I'm so excited about this verse. But it says, verse 3 begins, his divine power. Everybody says, it's his. It's his. It's his divine power that does the work. His divine power gives us everything we need. It's like, you could paint the picture like this. It's like football fans. Like, how many of you are, are, are a football fan? Anybody a football fan or a fan of uh, anything? Anybody a fan of anything? Like, like, if you're a fan of anything, you know, like, sometimes you could be like a, 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 you could be just like a fan, and then you're like a fan. Like, you're like a crazy fan. And, and I don't know if you ever experienced this. I know we did in Detroit, like, you know, being a fan of our teams, although we didn't have much to be, like, really excited about for a long time most of my life, but, but we would still brag like we did. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, but you don't know. My team's better than your team. You know, or like you just be like really braggadocious. Have you ever seen a fan who's like really braggadocious? Like, oh, man, we killed you guys. Like, oh, man, you guys stink. You know, have you ever been, like, been around that fan? Like, so my wife and I and a couple of friends went to one Chiefs game this past season. We went to one Chiefs game, and it was when they played – the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, it was, the o- it was the only game they lost this year. Well, they, they, did, they did lose one other, they did lose one other game. This, sorry, is it still too soon? Is it, is it, okay. They, they, okay, it was the only game during the regular season that they lost. And so we're, wa- I mean, it was just like, it was just weird. We're like, man, are they gonna lose this game? And yeah, they did. So we're walking out and there were a lot of Raiders fans there, a lot. A lot. And so we're walking out, and they're like, oh, yeah, eat that, cheese man. In your house, loser. I was like, uh, excuse me, sir. Um, I didn't say anything to him because I wasn't going to do that. But what I wanted to say was neither of us had anything to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we weren't out on the field. We weren't wearing a jersey. We had nothing to do with it. This is how it is with God and his divine power. Although we're partners, it's his power. He is the source. We got to realize that that power doesn't come from us, and that's pretty good because, I mean, we're pretty messed up. We're pretty messed up. If power was dependent upon us, that would be messed up because it would be just all over the place, just like us. But God's power is perfect because he is perfect. He is so consistent. We're limited. We're fragile. We get sick. We get tired. We get sick and tired. And then we make mistakes. We fall short again and again and again. And we talked about this last week, but... That's not, a, that's not an indication of flaw design, but it is corrupted design. And so God gave us the, 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 the choice, and we've chosen the lesser thing over and over again. We have faulty spiritual DNA. This is what the Bible consistently refers to as the flesh. The flesh. It's weak. But God's power is made perfect. And although we've been able to do amazing things, our power is limited. We aren't the true source of power. Look at it in John chapter 3. Jesus is talking. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Flesh will always give birth to more flesh. The more fleshly you are, 
the more flesh you will experience in your life. The more you give over to that sinful nature, that carnal nature, the more selfish you are, the more lustful you are, the more angry you are, the more of that you will reap. Anybody ever been frustrated by that experience in your life? Like that's just how it works. What, what you sow in a very real sense is what you will reap. Paul describes it this way in Romans 7 in one of the most encouraging and discouraging passages in the Bible. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Paul understands that man, flesh only gives birth to more flesh. It doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to grace. Certainly doesn't lead to holiness. It doesn't lead to escaping the corruption, to leaving the evil that is that is within us. Flesh only gives birth to flesh. So Jesus gives us a better way to deal with our flesh. He gives us the opportunity to deny it. To deny it. Look at this in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is, is talking about Christianity. And he says, he says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, this has got to be one of the like, most awkward introductions in the history of introductions, right? Hi, my name is Jesus. Uh, I just thought I'd introduce myself. Just want to make sure. I don't know if you've heard of me, about me. I'm a rabbi. I'm, I'm doing some pretty cool things. Uh, I just thought maybe cool if you stopped trusting yourself, you started following me. And oh, by the way, uh, you're gonna, it's going to be really difficult. You're, uh, you're all going to die. And uh, it's going to start with you by denying yourself. Doesn't that sound great? Sign right here. Like, who does this? Like, who does this? And who would respond to it? Who would respond to it? Only people who've come to the end of themselves, right? Only people who've been like, I've tried all this. I've tried pleasure. I've tried the flesh. I've tried, and it doesn't get me anywhere. I'm looking for something different. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you something different. I'm going to give you the opportunity to deny yourself, take up your cross, and experience the power of the Spirit. This is why we have to understand that it doesn't start with us. We, it doesn't start with us. Because what happens is a lot of us, how we approach our Christianity, we get inspired, right? We get inspired, man, I got to be different. I want to be different, so I'm going to be different. And we try to do it in the flesh, and we get frustrated. We get frustrated because we can't do it. You cannot do in the flesh what can only be done in the spirit. Only God can bring about the perfect work of grace in your life. And so that's why he gives us, we deny our flesh, but ultimately we realize that the answer isn't in us. The source of power is the Holy Spirit. That's the second thing. The source of power is the Holy Spirit. His divine power. 
Everybody say power. His divine power. So it's his, it's divine, and it's power. Everything that God does that is powerful is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipresent. He is the agent of God that is always on the move, is always working. And when he shows up, he brings the power. He brings the power. He's been, he's been at work from the beginning, at creation. He was hovering over the waters. For the people of Israel, he was leading them as a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. It was his spirit that came on kings and leaders to win great victories for God's people in battle. It was the spirit that moved the prophets to pen the words that Jesus one day would ultimately fulfill. It was the spirit that filled a virgin girl named Mary with the Son of God. And it was the spirit that empowered the Son of God into ministry. And it was ultimately the spirit that raised that Son of God three days just as he said he would. It was the Spirit of God. Anytime there's power in the Bible, it's the Spirit of God. And he brings us power. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus is saying this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus says when you experience the power or when you experience the Holy, of the, the Holy Spirit, you get power. We talked about this last week, but I love the, the, the passages in John 14, 15, and 16 where Jesus is talking about, I'm pulling away, I'm going away, but, but I want you to know I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and man, it is going to be good for you. It is going to be great for you. John chapter 16, he says, very truly I tell you, it is, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, to, if I go away, I'm going to send him to you. You can skip down to verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not only does he guide us into truth, but he gives us the power to live that truth out. Right after that passage we talked about in Romans 7, right? Super frustrating. Where it's like the things I try to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. He follows it up with Romans 8 and he says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. God not only leads you to the truth, he helps you live it out. Come on, somebody. That's a good news. That's good news. He shows up, things change. He gives wisdom. The Holy Spirit wants to give you wisdom. Do you need wisdom? Need wisdom with how to parent, how to, be a, how to be a godly spouse, how to be a godly boss. He gives you wisdom. The Spirit brings hope. Do you need hope? Do you need encouragement? Do you need clarity? Do you need certainty? This is what the Spirit of God brings to us. Okay, so it's not found in us. It's found in the Spirit. How do we experience it? The power comes when we abide in Christ. This is what he's saying. The power comes when we abide in Christ. Look at this. So good. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
the power comes when we abide in Christ. The promise comes when we look to Christ. He's the fulfillment of the promise. And Christ is the one who makes the promise possible. And when we abide in Christ, we experience the power of God. This is why the Apostle Paul will say, I've resolved to know nothing. I don't want anything. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to give my attention to anything else except Christ and him crucified. I want to just know him. I don't want anything else. I'm going to focus on Christ. I'm going to focus on who he is and what he did and how he loved me and how he paid his, uh, the price for my sins and how he, he made a way for me. I'm going to focus on that. And as I abide in that knowledge and as I seek him, as I worship him, as I pray, as I draw close to him, I experience resurrection power. You can't do this on your own. You will fall flat on your face. But when you abide in Christ, you fill your mind with the goodness of God, the love of Christ, you will experience truth. Spirit will lead you to truth, which will lead you to repentance, which will lead you to forgiveness, which will lead you to grace, which will lead you to rest. This is what God wants for you. This is God's will for you. That's why he's like, man, I'm going to go away. Jesus is like, if I'm here, I can only talk to 12 of y'all. Maybe we'll get a big group of people, but I'm standing on a boat, speak to the hillside. But man, when I go away... He's everywhere. He's bringing truth. He's bringing light. He's bringing hope. He's bringing conviction. And then he's bringing the grace of God. And then he's bringing the power of God. And then the rest of God. We have to abide. Jesus, Jesus says, you're going to bear fruit. And that fruit is going to be the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 1, he says, the way you're going to experience it is not by rushing, but by waiting. And this is what's so important for us to understand because so much of our culture is drive and go and attack and get after it and make it happen. And Jesus says, you want power? You actually step back and abide. You want wisdom? You step back and abide. You want grace? You step back and abide and you look to him. Look at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So they do that. They wait and then they pray. And then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. Look, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then Peter gets up and he preaches maybe the greatest sermon outside of Jesus' sermons, and thousands of people are added to the church that day. He does what he could not do on his own just a few verses before. He was afraid. He was a coward. He was running in fear. And then the Spirit comes upon him, and he's bold, and he's experiencing all that God wants him to do. This is God's will for all of us, that we would be bold, that we would be strong, that we'd be full of purpose and mission and grace and wisdom and truth. These fishermen who were just days earlier running in fear, they heal sick, 
sick people. They set people free. They experience God like no one ever has. That power is available. That Holy Spirit power is available. God wants us to walk in it. God wants us to know it. What we need to do is abide, though. You can't microwave this. You can't manufacture this. This comes when you abide in Christ. He, you seek his face. He will give you wisdom. He will give you help. He will give you hope. He will give you strength. He will give you the power to live different. Let me show you this in Isaiah chapter 40. We'll have the worship team come. We'll get ready to, to close. But it, this is, this, is, this is a forecast of what the life of Christ will bring about. Isaiah chapter 40. But those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those who abide in the Lord, those who look to the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? That sounds pretty incredible. That sounds otherworldly. That, that sounds like being lifted up out of our situation. That sounds like escaping the flesh and its desires, right? Let me ask you, is that what you're experiencing? Are you experiencing power like that? Are you experiencing strength like that? Are you experiencing encouragement like that? Are you soaring or are you struggling? Are you running or are you wearying? Are you walking or are you fainting? Do you wanna walk in power? I think all of us do. And you know who wants that more than you even want it for you? God. And he gave Jesus and Jesus sent the spirit so that we can experience power right here, right now. There is a power that is greater than your sin. There is, a power that, there is a power that is greater than your discouragement. There is a power that is greater than your flesh to give you the, the desire to live different, but then the power to live different. It's found when we rest in the Lord. Amen? Will you stand with me at both locations? I just want to take a moment. I, wanna, I want us to pray. The first thing I want us to pray about, and you can, uh, you can bow your heads and, and close your eyes. I just want to take a moment. Let's just pray. And welcome the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that you are working and that you are moving and that you are leading us. You're so faithful, Lord. And we just, we just pause for a moment. And God, we just ask you to be very present. Because God, we know that we need, we, we need power. We want to walk in this power. We want we want the power to live different. We want to escape our flesh. We want to be who you've called us to be, who you want us to be. So, Lord, we just ask that that would be the case, that you would bring that about. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, I want to take a moment before we worship. I want to ask if you're here today, if you're watching online, you're at the South Campus, you're saying, you know what, I'm hearing this, and I want this, but here's the deal. The way this starts is you got to be right with God. you got to be right with God. That's not about what you do. That's about what Jesus has already done. But you got to reach out and you got to put your faith in him. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you, say, hey, you know what? You're here. You're watching this. You say, you know what? As guys, you're talking. I'm, i got to be honest with you. I don't think I'm right with God. If you don't think that you are, you're probably not. Because the spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're, sons and, you're a son or daughter of God. But if you're here today, you're watching online, you're listening to this afterwards, and you're saying, you know what? 
I need to make a decision to follow Christ. It's as simple as saying yes to God. No to yourself and yes to God, and he will change you from the inside out. If you're here today and you're watching uh, online, you're saying, you know, you're at the South Camp, you're saying, I need to make a decision to follow Christ. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, we want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and say, Scott, pray for me. I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great. Anybody else? Just, just raise it up so I can see you and, and, and make a connection. Yeah, that's great. God wants to do something great in your life. Back there. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me just pray for every person over here. I'm pray for every person who's raising their hand. Father, I pray that, God, you would just restore, that, God, you would make new right now. God, that you would bring hope and life and light as they put their faith in you. Lord, we just, we look to you collectively as a group. We welcome you to have your way in our lives. In the powerful and matchless name of Jesus, we turn from our sin and we turn to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for the rest of us, can we just take a moment before, before we rush out of here, can we just take a moment and say, Spirit of God, we want you to have your way in our lives. Would you just lift your hands and surrender? Everybody in this place at the South Campus watching online, just take a moment. Just lift your hands and say, God, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Spirit of God, I want you. I want to live for you. I want to walk with the power that you bring. I want to say no to the things that hold me back. I want to say yes to the things that will set me free. Lord, we just open our hearts to you. We pray, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. We thank you, Lord.